Oh, God. All you give me is unusable content sometimes. That's <laughs> 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 so why I'm on the podcast. <laughs> oh, fuck. I just broke the cork. Oh, Jesus. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> a podcast about bourbon and the ones who drink it. This is Bourbon Matters. Welcome to Bourbon Matters. I'm Jake. I'm Dan. And I am also Jake. And today we are talking about Jake's least favorite people, the Bourbon Taters. The Taters! <laughs> I might get fired up tonight. <laughs> I hope you've had a lot to pretty, drink already. Pretty excited. No, I have not. And that, honestly, it. the listeners, you are welcome that I have not. Because <laughs> yeah. then I really so, wouldn't shut up for a whole two hours. And we would have to split this episode. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like good content, though. Yeah. <laughs> so my first question of the night is probably the most important. Do you have any pappy? No, <laughs> absolutely not. No, did you did you look in the back? Uh, yeah. That's actually that's that's actually a rare question. We don't get that question anymore. People people know better. I, people that ask for pappy, I don't even think are taters. They're just people that know nothing about bourbon because yeah. taters understand that they're you can't get pappy. Taters ask for Blanton's, Weller. Uh, Wellers specifically. Yeah, Wellers in uh, Chicago. You got to put Taylors. It yeah. Uh huh. Um, so that's what the Taters ask for. They don't ask for Pappy. They know better. All right. So for those that don't know, a Tater is. Oh, there's a few different ways. Yeah. What is the definition? Kind of fall under. So one or the worst kind are the people that buy allocated bourbon or why or whatever specifically to resell. These are the people that go hunting around. They buy cases of it from uh, irreputable sources <laughs> and, and resell it online for, you know, 10 times the cost. So those are probably the worst ones. Um, Straight assholes. Yeah. Just total assholes. Uh, and the other type of tater is the person that still chases allocated bourbons, but they don't really know why. <laughs> they just that's, know that they're supposed to ask for those things. Yeah, that's a very good, uh, that's kind of a common theme right now with right. a lot of people. I feel like we see a lot more of that than people who are just buying strictly just to flip. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's. Um, you know, at Gold Eagle, you guys do a good job of um, putting allocated stuff either out on like Instagram or Facebook, and it's first come, first serve. Um, or you have your like, you know, end of the year um, giveaways to your like top customers, which is like the fairest way to do it, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, we we try to. We try to split it up um, and just do it as fair as possible and, you know, be able to just, number one, be transparent as possible and reach as many people. But we, we do have a good split between the bottles going to the bar 
Um, the bottle is mm -hmm. just going right on the shelf for rewarding people for being in the store, um, doing like a one-time release with uh, multiple different bottles and posting it on social media and letting people come in first come first serve. Um, and then also, like you said, saving bottles for the end of the year, which is my favorite way to release them. Uh, cause I know they're going to our customers who support us year round. And there's a lot of people who do deserve those bottles that, um, don't get them. And hopefully, uh, you know, with the years to come, we can just build up on that release more and more as these distilleries start producing more quantities. Yeah. I, I will say that the, um, releasing bottles to the bar is awesome. Um, cause it gives a lot of people a chance to try things. Um, yeah. And you guys are pretty good about regulating how much you're pouring, especially if you know something's going to be really sought after um, so that like the most people can try it. You know, nothing uh, gets past Drew. Yeah. Nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, he does spill once in a while, but, <laughs> 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 but nothing will get past him. The, the Jack 12 was a good example that just came out recently. Um, you were limiting to one half ounce pour uh, per person so that the most people, you know, could try that bottle. Um, I think that there was, a, and it still was gone the same day for, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a bottle that most people will probably never get to try just because there were so few released this year. Um, Maybe there will be more subsequent releases of it, but. Um. Yeah, I mean, we literally only received that one bottle. And on the 10-year, we received two bottles, which is crazy. Um, yeah. Thinking about how much Jack Daniels product we go through. But that just shows you how limited those releases really are. Um, and I definitely think it's cool to put them on the bar uh, with other. I think we had like five different uh pretty i would say unicorn bottles on the bar that day um that way uh with our liquor license only allowing three ounces per person per day um there was a good variety from people to taste from and uh allowed you know 50 people to come in and taste instead of one person just taking that bottle home and looking at it on their shelf collect dust yeah so i think uh we can kind of start off um admitting that at one time, I was a tater. <laughs> I think when you're getting into it, you kind of. I start think everyone off. goes through that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, th there's. Mm -hmm. definitely, I didn't have anyone um, to tell me that I was a tater at the time, though. Is the problem? No, I didn't either. And Roberto was a bad influence. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was. was I mean, I was fun. too. And what What's funny is like, yeah, all the people that you know turned me into a tater, and this was like right when I started working at the store before I really understood the whole secondary market and bourbon being allocated and whatnot. Um, you get a lot of people asking for certain things and you just, you kind of automatically assume that these things are really good because they're in such high demand and so many people know about them. Um, but I, I mean, I know for me at least it wasn't until we started doing blind tastings that it really opened my eyes to, wow, these whiskeys that people are calling around store to store, driving around, uh, spending a whole day just trying to find a couple bottles of bourbon. Uh, these bourbons are really not that good, and there's stuff on the shelf that is so much better. Yeah. Um, and people just, because it doesn't come from the back or because it's not limit one, they just assume that it's not going to be as good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and, and some of the things too is like if you're really wanting those bottles, if you're get, if you're newer into bourbon, you're really wanting some of those tater whiskeys. The best way to end up getting one is to spend time at the liquor store buying things and knowing people at the liquor store, and they're not that hard to get. Like like in all reality, like the the Taylors, the Blantons, the Wellers, there's a decent amount out there. They go quick, but if you know people and get to develop relationships, you have easy a lot easier access to them than just trying to spend a whole day going to 30 different liquor stores and offering somebody 200 some dollars for a bottle that costs 65. Yeah. And if maybe you've, you've kind of show that you're actually interested in trying, um, you know, these whiskeys and you're not just collecting the flip or to, you know, mm-hmm. sit on your shelf and just be a showpiece. Right. Um, you know, the first thing I first thing I ask someone when they come in, they ask if we have Blanton's or E.H. Taylor. I ask them, well, no, but why do you like those? And I can help you pick out something that you probably will like better um, yeah. that we have. So, you know, usually for Blanton's, it's like, oh, it's so smooth. There's no burn. Um, all right, well, some Basil Hayden over here at Eden Proof. <laughs> <laughs> it's very smooth, and you're, I guarantee you, you probably will like that better than Blanton's if all you're after is the smooth factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have a horse on top, but... Yeah. It's That's smooth. a problem, though. It's got a belt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, see, the funny thing is, though, is like, Blade and Bow has the five different keys or whatever, and people aren't going head over heels for the five different keys of Blade and Bow. Some people are, but yeah, definitely nowhere near the amount that people do for Blanton's. Um, but I, I also, you know, people that I know that are really into bourbon and actually drink this stuff all the time and have good size collections, they don't care at all for any of that stuff. Um, they can be offered a bottle below MSRP and they would probably turn it down. Mm-hmm. Just because they've tried so many other things, they know that that stuff really isn't worth chasing, um, which can take me on a whole nother tangent. But yeah, you guys are gonna <laughs> oh, go need to, you Feel guys are it. gonna need to shut me off at certain points. Tonight. <laughs> well, I just well, don't, uh... I don't like. There's there's certain people that I see pictures of like closets, and they have like ten Eagle Rares, ten Taylor mm-hmm. Small Batches, Weller Special Reserve, Blantons. And it's like, what are you doing in ten years? Buffalo Trace is going to have so much whiskey that you're going to be able to walk in anywhere and find these products sitting on a shelf. And it's literally, it's going to be the same thing that's in your closet. Go ahead. Yeah. I say the funny thing is these are the same people that have those closets are the same people that were making fun of the people that hoarded toilet paper and hand sanitizer. two years ago. (laughs) Like, why do you need that much toilet paper and hand sanitizer? Right. And that, well, why do you need, 30 cases of Weller in your closet. Weller. Well, that was, closet. Uh, sorry. That was like when, when I first started, like I, uh, whenever I found something, I never opened it until I had a backup. And then by, by the point where like, I started to realize that that was unsustainable. I just had too much shit. <laughs> and then, like <laughs> I had doubles of everything. And I was like, well, some of this stuff, isn't actually that great. Like (laughs) I had, you know, one, my first bottle of Blanton's was good. The second one was dog shit. And I was like, well, this isn't really worth my effort. If like, it's a completely hit or miss. They're very hit or miss. (laughs) 
And, and the funny thing is, too, is like when we, we, me and Jake both started having backups of a bunch of things. And uh, my neighbor's kid was having a fundraiser for her, the, their football team. So last year, Jake and I put together a basket with like Taylor. Well, it had Taylor in it, but Jake didn't check the tube and he gave them a like two thirds gone bottle of Taylor. <laughs> I'm sure someone was still happy to find so that. So I I, swapped, <laughs> I found out right away. So I'm like, tomorrow I will give you a full bottle of Taylor. I have an extra one. Like uh, yeah. I have no problem swapping out a full one of mine for one of Jake's. Damn tubes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like we put together a pretty damn good basket of really good whiskeys that people hunt for that we're like, I have a backup or I have two backups. I don't need it. And it was like the biggest auctioned off. Like that was that had they like some trip to the Caribbean, and the bourbon basket made more money. That's <laughs> awesome. See, and it was and it what, was that's a that's like what we should be using bottles. these bourbons for. Yeah, yeah. There, it, it made me it made me and Jake feel good. Of like, hey, we gave these like bourbons that were all like fifty or sixty bucks or lower into a basket that made twelve hundred some bucks. Yeah. For the for the kids' football team, so that's what they're good for. They they look good for people that are auctioning off gifts. Awkward silence. Sorry about that. That was a, <laughs> dead air. That, that subject to bring you're, up, I guess. You're, you're supposed to lead it into a question. <laughs> you just stop talking. <laughs> it's a statement. All right. Well, so <laughs> I guess um, let's talk about alternatives. So I mean, there's frankly shelves and shelves and shelves of alternatives to allocated bourbon, obviously. Um, but like, what are your go-to suggestions, Jake, for Buffalo trace products when people ask? Uh, so I've got some really good ones. Buffalo trace specifically, I guarantee if you put that next to green river bourbon, uh, you will find that they taste identical the Green River has a little bit better and longer finish. Other than that, they're completely identical. Um, and we proved this in our blind tasting. People preferred the Green River over Buffalo Trace. Um, another good example, E.H. Uh, e. Taylor, which I know Dan is going to talk about tonight. But just a regular small batch. Uh, so this is, this is kind of my tater story when I was first getting into bourbon. E.H. Taylor small batch was like my tater bottle. Um, it's just super sweet. And uh, there's really not too much complexity. So it just goes down pretty easy. You don't have to think about it. Um, but I saw E.H. Taylor small batch lose to Wild Turkey 101, lose to Old Granddad Bonded, and barely beat JTS Brown bottled in bond. And uh, the Wild Turkey 101 actually tastes identical to Taylor small batch when you put them side by side in a blind they're both they're both very sweet they both have like a little bit of spice that kicks in on the back and then same thing as the green river versus buffalo trace the wild turkey 101 just has a little bit better cleaner finish um so there's there's plenty of alternatives and the the other thing to think about too is uh you know if wild turkey for example ever had a shortage and we couldn't get wild turkey 101 um, and we're kind of seeing it with like Kentucky spirit and rare breed goes in and out of stock for periods of time. Um, but then even their tenure that's on the shelf for 35 bucks, 
I mean, if that ever went out of stock, that would become Eagle Rare. People would be going crazy for it, uh, realizing there's a $35 10-year Kentucky bourbon out there. Um, but it's just it just is available. It's on the shelves. It doesn't just sit there. It sells. Um, but people just don't care to pick it up because it's out there on the shelf. Um, that's like... That's a whole nother mindset of tater too. I think when we were talking about the two types of taters, there's a there's a third one where um, they really know nothing. They just want something that came from the back. Mm-hmm. They don't even yep. care. So like if we were to, I, 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 I haven't tried this. I probably really should try this um, just to have like a box of store pick bottles in the back um, for that person. That's like, what do you have? That's in the back. What's, what do you have? That's not on the shelf. And be like, all right, let me bring out some special things for you here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then just bring out some store picks. And I guarantee you they'd be ecstatic to probably buy a couple. Cause though that's the type of tater that knows nothing and just heard from someone that there's this whole secondary whiskey market. Um, and they immediately just go out and start searching for bourbons Mm -hmm. without any prior knowledge. Yeah. How big is the back room at at Gold Eagle? Like, is I mean, it's it's three times the size of your store, right? I mean, we have, yeah, we have more space in the back than in the store, mainly because we have a basement. Um, But, I mean, I can give you a tour. It's not like there's (laughs) stacks of rare bourbon back there. Like, Um, isn't, like, I just envision, like, the doors open and the big glowing gold light comes flowing out. <laughs> the angelic. You're in Pappy Land. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's like the, it's like a Willy Wonka just in the back room of like it's, it's, a, it's a, like a bourbon river. It's like in Breaking Bad when they're laying on the pallet of cash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just laying in a bath or a swimming pool of pappy bottles. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, we have, we, we have a big back room, big basement. Um, but it's it's pallets of all your basic stuff: Tito, Sky, um, you know, Woodford, Jack Daniels, Fireball. It's all the stuff that we have to buy 25, 50 cases of at a time uh, in order to get a decent price on it. Yeah, yeah. it's. I, I think the big thing too is like we're like the last five to ten years, especially, we've kind of hit the second golden age of whiskey where there is so many different options and it's, you can't like, like just walking in gold Eagle or some of the other big stores, the amount of shelf space dedicated to whiskey is insane. And the reason that there's that much whiskey out there is because people are buying all of it. Um, and it's though, those shelf spaces aren't taking up that much of a store just because they have, uh, some Buffalo trace stuff in the back. It's because everything out on the shelf is a good whiskey that people are looking for. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes people get caught up in something just because it's harder to find or not readily available. But it's like there's so many good options on the shelf. And I, I think the more and more you get into whiskey, the more and more you realize that, hell, there's – I mean, I, I would definitely rather go in and buy something new that I haven't tried than buy another Blanton's or Taylor. Like I've passed we're we're all past that point of there's so many other things I need to try yet. Yeah, because you enjoy it for the journey of, of tasting and experiencing and developing your palate and you're not just in it just to drink. Like I feel like to drink or to, you know, flip, um, like a lot of those people are. A lot of yeah, the and, 
when you talk <laughs> when you talk about that too is like that's why you want to have a relationship with the person you're or know the people that you're buying your whiskey from because they're not gonna I think I would hope and I'm pretty sure you're this way you're not gonna sell to somebody that you know is really gonna go on the secondary market just to make a quick buck like I like I know uh, Sam's that way of he knows that if he sells it to us it's gonna get drank at our places it's not gonna end up online for crazy amounts of money yeah and believe me like we're in all the secondary groups that you know of you'll never see me never see any of us post in there or like anything but like i anytime somebody in our area posts in there i get screenshots sent to me from other customers and other people <laughs> like look at so and so in here um and it's 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 frankly it's a lot of like teenage drama going on sort of <laughs> um but but i feel like that that kind of wave went through uh mostly a couple years ago but of course there's still new people getting into it and really uh just embracing that role and not really understanding what they're doing or why they're doing it it's just that uh i don't know just that like urge i guess to see you know monkey see monkey do yeah so that's like so there's a lot of talk about the bourbon bubble, um, which I think kind of started during COVID um, and like this like exponential rise in bourbon sales and people seeking, you know, these types of allocated bourbons. Um, and like, I think you mentioned it in either in the episode with Wilson or in the Fox and Odin episode that you think the bourbon bubble is bullshit and that it's not going to pop. Um, or at least it's not as inflated as a lot of people try and make it seem. Yeah, I absolutely don't see it slowing down until at least 2030. Um, I was just listening to our favorite podcast this morning, actually. Oh, and <laughs> um I can't quote the source, but I guess there's there just is a new study that came out that said five percent increase every single year up until 2031 is almost like guaranteed for the bourbon industry. Wow! Um, and five percent doesn't sound like a lot, but we're talking you know billions of dollars. Like yeah, yeah this year is, over year. That's, that's a lot. yeah, year over year. It's a lot in exponential growth. Um, and I, I think maybe like the tater wave will taper off. Um, cause I think the people who are buying to flip will soon, I mean, they always do. They, they quickly realize driving around all day, uh, you know, spending hours on the phone, calling liquor stores, getting hung up on is not worth taking a bottle and flipping it to make $20 profit on it. Um, especially when you have to drive and meet up or ship the bottle. Mm -hmm. Um, but then you have you might have some of those people and also new people that aren't going to get into that tater wave that uh, actually appreciate drinking this stuff and can pick up on all these different flavors, develop their palate and really get excited about building home bars and home collections. And I think that's where COVID, what we, what we kind of learned through COVID is going to stick with us for the long term is like, I think people gravitated more towards home entertainment and having neighbors over and family and mm -hmm. friends over versus going out to clubs and bars. Um, especially now that we're drinking nicer spirits than ever before. I mean, 
you know, rewind just even 15 years and it's all vodka and mixed drinks and rum and Cokes and whiskey and Cokes. Um, and now we're appreciating sipping on whiskeys and you can't go out to a bar and do that every night. Uh, you're going to go broke within a couple of months, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you know, so I think, I think there's a lot of things lining up that tell us that bourbon is not going to slow down, um, especially with all these big distilleries just investing so much money into infrastructure and the future um, of having more bourbon available. Yeah, I think it was either you or someone else um, when we were talking about this said that uh, the only way Buffalo Trace would double their capacity is if there was no bourbon bubble, because otherwise they're total idiots. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and like I, Sazerac I is a smart company. Yeah, I, I very. Smart. I think that's probably the strongest evidence that there's no end in sight for this. Um, if they think the demand is going to be there to put, I mean, it was like hundreds of millions of dollars, if not, um, it could probably could have been close to a, a billion that they put into their uh, all new uh, stills and um, production facilities, and they added tons of warehouses. Um, all kinds of different distilleries are adding warehouses like crazy. Like when we were in Bardstown, they said they built like a dozen warehouses last year and they have no plans to stop. Yeah. Most of these distilleries are like just building as fast as they possibly can. And it's not money that's holding them back. It's the people that build and the materials. Yeah. The only thing I think that would fit under a bourbon bubble bursting isn't anything with sales of whiskey. I think it's, the new distilleries. Um, the market is so saturated now that I think it is, if you're starting a distillery now, you're probably past the big bubble of craft distilleries because it takes a lot to get into shelf space now. Um, so I, I think I, you're, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. If the distillery is not sourcing and not putting something out there now. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. but we, we see so many new brands pop up. We see all these big distilleries ramping up production and most of them still can't keep their whiskeys on the shelf. Yeah. I, I'm talking about like more of the smaller ones though. Like not the yeah. they're putting the hundred, like you're seeing how many of these, I mean, and how many distilleries that were small to midsize are getting 300, $600 million investments from bigger companies. Um, I just think it's, if you're starting up a new small distillery, it's going to be really hard to, to break through at this point because the amount of money it takes to start a distillery isn't is a lot (laughs) and then you're not making nearly as much profit when you're sourcing um so your profits are low you're spend you're doing nothing but spending money the first few years for hoping that you when your stuff comes out it's going to go i i think that might be the only thing that starts to really slow down is the amount of new distilleries but yeah i don't see the sales of, of whiskey slowing down soon. I think there could be a secondary market crash too, where these like absurd prices for things really go away. Um, just because I think the more people actually get into bourbon, the more that they're, or the less likely they are to spend those absurd amounts of money on Blanton's or Weller or whatever it is, because Weller's, wellers mm-hmm. um because like they've you can figure out pretty quickly that 
you don't need to go pay $600 for a Blanton's when you can just become friends with the liquor store owner and you'll get one around Christmas. <laughs> and and to be fair, or, or we don't get anything from Jake. Like, let's just throw that out there. I'm hardly ever in Libertyville. I hardly buy anything out of Gold Eagle because I'm not up there. I get jack shit from Jake. So, yeah, so there is no, there is just because we're in a podcast together, there is no hand-me-downs of, hey, here's a Sazerac 18 that I know you wanted so bad. You want to buy it? There's none of that shit going on. Well, so I think I think that I think the secondary market will go away and kind of crash um, because yes to what you said, but also because um, I think especially these bigger distilleries are going to realize, oh wow, like my Parker's Heritage bottle, we can charge one hundred and fifty dollars for, and it sells out immediately, and people go crazy for it. All right, well, five ten years from now. We're, our focus is going to be to quadruple, um, you know, 10 times, 20 times how many bottles of that we're producing. And mm-hmm. all it takes is time. All it takes is years to be able to let more whiskey age uh, a certain way to, you know, recreate, not necessarily recreate, but, you know, come out with a different release um, for that bottle and have a lot more whiskey available. Um, but then the other part of it is people will start to realize that there's phenomenal whiskey sitting on the shelves. And a lot of that is also to thank, um, you know, a lot of these newer craftier distilleries, because some of them are producing mm-hmm. really, really good whiskey. And the consumer, when they can't find Eagle Rare, they're going to go take a chance on a different craft whiskey. And a lot of times they're going to realize, wow, this this is pretty good, too. And I don't really need to go out of my way to hunt down, you know, X bottle when there's all these other bottles available yeah. out there. So speaking of that, let's talk about what we're drinking tonight. Dan's actually drinking a, a craft distillery release. I guess they're kind of a craft distillery, right? I don't think they're really cra- I mean, they got a, they do a decent amount of production. So it's, this is the exact opposite of a tater whiskey it's not a very big brand so you're not always going to find it but as jake tried to yell at me beforehand saying i was drinking a tater whiskey i said no you can go online <laughs> and buy this for retail price right now online it's just that there you, you're not a, like because jake you guys don't even stock 1776 do you um we kind of from time to time uh honestly we haven't had it in in a little bit but especially now that we're talking about it and hearing how much you like it, uh, you know, I already wrote down in my notes, I need to go figure out where we can get some of this, which I'm sure is not that hard. It's so regular bourbon and rye are excellent. Yeah. I mean, they're regular bourbon and rye or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a barrel pick from them, but we don't have the, that's the, the, uh, that's the old pepper Kentucky's finest though. Right. That's the same distillery, but not, the normal stuff. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you guys have listened to, to the podcast, you know that I love 1776. It's a, the, the normal bottle, it's 30 bucks, 100 proof. It's still sourced from MGP. But I would say that $30 bottle at 100 proof, even though it's not bib and doesn't come in a tube, I like that just as much as I would, perf- that versus Taylor, a small batch are very similar. Um, the one that I'm drinking, it's a little bit harder to find and why it's not a tater whiskey. One, you can find it Two, If I said I had a whiskey that was three to four years old and MGP, if you're a tater, you're not going to buy it. 
Um, but this is the 1776 barrel proof uh, bourbon. And that's around 40, 45 to 50 bucks. Um, again, it's, you just don't, they don't have a lot of production, but it's not one that even when it's on a shelf, it goes quick. Um, the first time we got introduced to it was at Sam's probably about a year and a half or two years ago, Jake. Yeah, I think so. Probably when we first really started getting into it, he had, he had just gotten us in and we bought the bottles and I thought it was phenomenal at the time. And I know you did too. Yeah. Um, I actually had, I went and got another one from him and then I gave it to a friend as a housewarming gift and immediately regretted it. <laughs> and he was actually down here this last week and I said, Hey, do you still have any of that left? He goes, no, that was gone quick. Um, <laughs> And he's not a normally, a, he's more of a cocktail guy, not a straight bourbon guy. Um, to the point where this time, uh, Rob, the master distiller at work, was in Woodman's. And he knows that I was a big fan. He goes, hey, they have the barrel proof here. And I said, grab every bottle they have, which was mm -hmm. two. Um, so he gave me one. And then he opened his the other night. And his cousin from California was in town. And... They opened it up, and this was about a week after he got it the first time at Woodman's. He said that night they drove to Woodman's to see if they had gotten any more and restocked um, because his cousin wanted to take one home. It is – this is – said it's a three- to four-year. It's a 116.2 proof, barrel-proof bourbon. It's 1776 is a high rye, so it's, I think, 36 or 30, 38% rye. So it's oh, a pretty high pretty rye uh, bourbon. Um, so it's not going to be like the low right mash bill that Taylor is, but I would say I would take this over Taylor barrel proof, which is, what does that go for online? Like five, 600 bucks or something stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, it's for 116 proof. It doesn't, doesn't, you would, you'd be shocked and find out it was 116 proof if you tried it blind. I mean, it's got kind of that green apple-y nose, a little bit of lemon peel. It's got more of a fruity nose to it, um, which you're going to have that on a younger whiskey. It's not going to – you're not going to get a lot of oak and vanilla out of this. It's, if that's this type of whiskey you're going for, this isn't that. But if you like more of the estery, green apple-smelling things, this is really good. It finish, it's got one of those finishes on it where you feel it and then it's gone and then it slowly lingers back in. Um, so you'll get extra pop out of it. It's on the palate. It's not overly complex, which is same. I don't get, I've never thought Taylor was complex. I always thought it was smooth and easy drinking. Um, but overall, I think this is, a phenomenal whiskey and one that if I, whenever I see it, I'm buying it uh, because this is one that I drink pretty often. Yeah, it's affordable too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a like 45, 45 50, bucks. Yeah. $50 bottle. Uh, the only for thing a, I will complain about it is strength. That's not bad. Yeah. The one complaint I do have is the wax is, was very hard on this and it was very hard to get the wax off. And then the cork. Well, if it has wax, it must be good. It has wax. It does. There is no tube. There's no horse or deer antlers on it. Um, so that's probably going to kick it out right away for some people. But it's. I've always loved the Pepper Distillery. I think they their stuff that they've been putting out that's sourced 
until their other stuff comes online has been phenomenal. Um, price is great. And it's something people don't care about that much. And they should, because it is really good. It's just, there's nothing special or fancy about it. It's, it's a brown bottle for Pete's sake. So that's, I would say if you're anywhere and you see this, go with this and don't even worry about trying to ask if they have Taylor barrel proof in the back, because I can tell you they don't. <laughs> Except for a gold Eagle has about 13 bottles. 14. <laughs> yeah. so go in and ask Jake for him. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you go in and ask Jake, just say hey, Bourbon Matters sent you that he had some. In the <laughs> I'll but send no, you back to Drew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't even have any at the bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I know, I know, Jake, you haven't had this, right? I know Jake Reif or Jake R has. I I have. It's it's been a while. It's been it's been at least two three years. So I need I need to revisit it for sure. It's I don't know. I just you should bring a sample to the master class next week. I can do that. Cool. I'll fill a bottle up and put it with my stuff. Done. But no, it's I I always rant and rave about pepper. I probably should, and I also love the history of the whole distillery, and it's what. DSPKY5, I think, is their distilled spirits number in Kentucky. So, yeah. Old classic, really good. Buy this. If you don't see this, just the normal 1776 bourbon at 100 proof is worth way more than 30 bucks. Yeah. I, I think you mm. went through their entire history in an earlier episode. Yeah. Um, that was back in our, the first it like time it appeared on our five. podcast, <laughs> top, my, it was under my top five uh, findable whiskeys. Yep, that's right. Um, How many yeah, times James has it appeared? What was that? I was drinking this when uh, when uh, Wilson was on because I was sick, and this was one that was used oh, for yeah. medicinal. They got a medicinal yeah, license, yeah. so I was using mm-hmm. it because I was sick. So yeah, this is like the third time. This is the first time this bottle's been on here. I've never had just yeah, the straight yeah. the barrel proof, but uh, I don't know. Love the story of it. Love uh, love the whiskey. Plus, their distillery tour is really cool, and the best old fashioned in Lexington is yeah. the James Pepper Distillery. Very good, definitely mm-hmm. recommend that. It's on my list now. Good, maybe mm-hmm. maybe someday Gold Eagle will have it. Uh, hopefully soon. By the time this podcast airs, we might have it. <laughs> so, so uh, speaking of small there. distilleries, I'm drinking something from a small distillery called Jim Beam. Um, <laughs> so I'm drinking what I would dub a, uh, straight from the barrel Blanton substitute, uh, which is Baker's seven year. This is, like I said, a Jim beam product. Um, this is becoming more and more findable. Um, it's got the like classic Jim beam notes. Um, you get all the like peanuts and peanut shells on the nose and then the the palate's got a lot of like chocolate peanut butter cup type stuff going on and like nice oak um so uh the bottle says seven years minimum um both of the bottles that i have are eight and i think a nine year which this one's actually eight years ten months it actually puts it on the label which is awesome which you can't see because my lights are glaring on it, but um, it's. Uh, I can nice... validate that. You got it from yeah. Gold Eagle. I know we yeah. had those eight year, ten monthers. 
Yeah. Um, and this was actually in the blind tasting, the Jim Beam blind tasting, um, which was what turned me on to it. Um, so I had and seen it, it before. Hardin's Creek. Yeah. The, the two year Hardin's Creek. Yeah. Which yeah. is near impossible to find now. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of that when we tried them. We we kind of concluded that it was good for it was very good for a two year bourbon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yes, like it's just kind of an example, something new, something a little pricey, and people go crazy for it. And it's you know it's hard to find. It probably had a, a secondary value at one point. Um, meanwhile, there's something better from the same distillery just sitting on the shelf. Yeah, and almost the same exact flavor profile. Um, you get a Honestly, little bit more of the like aged notes on on the bakers because it's yeah much older. But um, yeah, this is an excellent whiskey. I'd highly recommend it. Um, again, like I think this is a good, if not phenomenal, Blanton's alternative. Um, I think in most cases this is older than Blanton's. Usually Blanton's is like six, like five or six years. Um, and again, they're they're both single barrels. Um, but, uh, the consistency on the bakers seems to be a little bit better from what I can kind of gather, um, than the Blantons, which we talked about is fairly hit or miss. Absolutely. Yeah. But the bakers isn't the original single barrel, Jake. How do you combat that? It's not the original single barrel. It's better. (laughs) Um, I I don't yeah. know the last time I've had a Baker's. I know it's been in a blind at Gold Eagle that I was at. It's uh, I mean, it's new. It's uh, well, well, Baker's has been around, but it used to be a small batch. And a couple of years oh, no, ago, it's... they changed it to single barrel. Um, and yeah, I do love how they put on the necker the exact age uh, of that barrel because most of the time, actually, I don't even remember the last time I saw a seven year one, even though the label screams seven-year bourbon um most of the time they're eight or nine years Mm -hmm. yeah and that's yeah like i harp on this a lot on this show that i'm a big fan of transparency so when i see stuff like that it like gives me a warm fuzzy feeling because i know they're not like trying to fuck you over (laughs) yeah Jake, what do, what are you uh, going with tonight? That's, that's uh, so I am sipping on two barrel picks, um, and no, not both of them are Gold Eagle barrel picks. Um, but one is uh, our Wilderness Trail weeded single barrel, and uh, I've got a Maker's Mark Private Select here. Um, don't even really know where it's from. It's called the Ceiling Smasher. Uh, my maker's rep gave it to me. It's predominantly the roasted French Mondiant stave. Um, but I, I just kind of wanted to focus on barrel picks in general and why people should be, in my eyes, I don't, I don't see why you shouldn't be seeking out single barrel picks over um, a lot of like the Eagle Rares and E.H. Taylors and stuff like that that people try and hoard. Um, there's... Five years from now, 10 years from now, I said it already on this episode, there's going to be so much of that stuff. It's going to be everywhere. Um, I'm not saying those are bad whiskeys, but they're not whiskeys to hoard and to save. They're going to be worth probably retail or less. 
uh, in the future, in my opinion. Um, whereas single barrels, as we all know, are one and done, never going to be repeated again. Um, so my biggest piece of advice is just go and taste as much as you can. Find a bar or a store that does single barrel picks and try their picks that they've done and, uh, you know, see, uh, see which ones you like and which ones you don't like. Um, cause like I said, these are barrels that are never going to repeat it. And not only is the bar or the store picking the barrel, um, but all these single barrel samples were first selected by the distilleries, um, because they were good enough to stand on their own as single barrels and don't need to be blended. Um, mm -hmm. so when, when we get three samples of wilderness trail, um, their barrel manager is tasting every single barrel picking out the top 1% and putting them aside to be used as single barrel picks. Um, and that's kind of how it works um, at, at most every distillery. And then the makers, we all know is a little different. You're creating your own blend. Um, but I never understood this. Like why do people chase so hard after um, like the BEP and the different uh, special releases every year from Maker's Mark. The last couple of years, they've just been all 10 of one stave. Mm -hmm. I find so much more flavor and so much more complexity in different private selects. Now, not everyone is going to be, you know, a home run. Um, some are better than others. But when you find a good Maker's Private Select Barrel, uh, you, you can't go wrong. And I think they blow just completely out of the water, the special releases from Maker's Mark and probably blow away a lot of other, uh, distillery special releases too. Um, and so since these are both weeded, I would probably say they're a great alternative to Weller, even though they're not as soft as Weller. And that's why I think a lot of people like Weller is cause they're just, they're super mellow, um, smooth and soft. Um, these are not as soft but they have a ton more flavor and the flavor lingers for a lot longer um and there's just a lot more complexity going on with these yeah and uh to talk a little bit more about the makers like i tried the bep from this year and uh it was like one of I still the most bland, bland things i've ever tasted <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, I again like I'm not the biggest fan of wheat whiskeys. Um but some of the Gold Eagle makers uh special releases were what sold me on makers. Um because they're just so interesting. Um it's like uh surprising to me that a wheat whiskey can taste that complex. I mean, it's, it's, it's the exact same whiskey as the, the makers private selects are the exact same whiskey as their special releases. They don't age anything longer. They, if you know makers, you know, they blend everything to taste like regular makers mark before they do any, anything else before they do cash strength bottling, before they do 46 finishing, before they do private select blending. Everything starts off as Maker's Mark, which is a blend of about five to seven year bourbon. Um, they hit the exact same flavor profile every single time because they're rotating all their barrels. And then the only thing different with their expressions is how they finish it or what proof they bottle it as. And there's so much, there's so much, uh, they're vast, even, even just like the 101 proof versus the 90 proof. 
Um, I've had the 84 or 80 proof, the one that they released uh, for a very short period of time a couple years ago. They don't make it anymore. Um, but those are, they're all so different for being the same whiskey at different proof. Um, and, and again, with these private selects, you're just picking the different stave combinations that go into the barrel to finish it. And they taste completely different from each other. So there's endless opportunities to explore different flavors with these. Um, yeah, I don't, like I said, I can just keep going for days. I'm getting a little <laughs> heated here. So. The one thing... Someone calm me down. <laughs> well, well, let's turn the table though. Cause I think some, yes, a lot of distilleries please. are now doing things that lead into developing more taters, which is, I mean, how many, some distilleries are having five to 10 special releases a year now. And all they're doing is just creating a small batch of something they're going to call a special release because they know people are going to run out and run or knock each other out to try and get it. And a lot of time, and some of those I've tried, I'm like, it's not that good. Why were they putting it out? But I think they know that they can put it out, call it a special release, sell out of it in a second, get a lot of hype about it and make a bunch of money. And I think that leads into some of the tater thing too, because not everything needs to be a special release. No. So, but what I will say about that is that is where in five years from now, we see those distilleries going down and the ones that are actually producing good whiskey going up. Mm -hmm. So yeah. eventually, eventually people are going to realize we, I mean, we've seen it happen with so many, there's been so many products that have come out and have, automatic like right off the bat gotten a thousand dollars on secondary market and then a month later they're worth like 200 jake you wouldn't know anything about that would you nope <laughs> <laughs> do i want to know <laughs> back in the old Not. days they overpaid for pappy but <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, but never, I mean, like, again. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these, there's, there's, there's a lot of new releases that come out and I see like before we even receive the bottles, they're going for thousands on the secondary market. And then a month later, it's, it's like down to barely over retail because people yeah. try it and they realize, all right, this isn't good. And so, yes, to your point, I think we will see, there will be a time uh, where people realize, all right, this whiskey isn't good. That whiskey isn't good. This whiskey isn't good. I'm not going to buy into their releases anymore. And then those distilleries are going to be stuck and they've invested so much money already and probably expanding and uh, marketing for these special release bottles. And then they're not going to be able to sell them. And then they're going to, the, the ones, I mean, Buffalo Trace, we, we hate on them because they've created uh, kind of a, a huge tater market, but at the same time, they're not raising their prices. And they, no. and I believe yeah. that's because they, they know in 10 years from now, they're going to have so much whiskey that if they raise their prices up now, um, you know, they're, they're not going to want to raise them back down. And then when right. Eagle rare is everywhere, you're not going to want to pay a hundred dollars for a bottle of Eagle rare. Um, yeah. Can, and it, it's not really Buffalo Trace's fault that there's such a like no, it's cult not. around it. No, it's just, I mean, it's, it's good. It's good stuff. It's good whiskey. Yeah. It's just, it's just far more limited than it probably should be. Um, for, for how good it is. I think yeah, that's we're, what's kind of driving the, the, the like madness around it. 
Yeah, we probably should add in that we don't think those whiskeys are bad that we're no. dogging on, but they're just not worth overpaying for. They're yeah. not worth the secondary prices. They're not worth your time to, you know, call around and drive around and search for them. Yeah, um, there's a reason there's that Taylor's Spalt out there on the shelf. $45. It's because it's yeah. good, but it's not great. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's not like right. the greatest thing that was ever produced, you know? Mm-hmm. And the, I, th- I think the biggest thing is too, is instead of spending your time, if you're, if you're one of the people right now that spend a bunch of time driving around on weekends, which first of all, the weekends is the worst time to bourbon hunt because everything's already been picked over. Um, yeah. But if you're spending all this time driving around, instead of spending that time, go to a bar or a liquor store that has diff- a bunch of bourbon that you can taste. Because if you go in with an open mind and spend an hour tasting a few different things, you'll probably find something that you really, really like and you'll walk home with a bottle instead of spending eight hours driving around and coming home with nothing or spending six times retail to buy a just because you want a bottle with a horse topper on it. Yeah, or go to a store like Gold Eagle where the people are knowledgeable and ask them what what's your go to for for a for a poor, you know get get some in, insight into what's like available all the time that you don't need to stress about <laughs> you know all the time yeah. to try and find um because there's a lot there's like yeah. way too much <laughs> uh, yeah those are great points that's what i would spend my time doing absolutely 100 percent. i mean i can't even tell you how many times even even like my good or even like, you know, people who I know are drinking all this stuff and have big collections. Um, you know, how many times I've heard from those people, oh yeah, I, I really got this unicorn bottle, finally opened it. It was, uh, you know, my so-and-so's birthday and we were celebrating and I just thought it was terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, yeah. you spend all that time worrying if you're going to be able to get a bottle, searching for it, paying for it. Um, looking at it on your shelf for years um, or months and then finally cracking it open and just being disappointed with it. So, yeah, I think uh, honestly the best way to do it is just find somewhere where you can get reasonably priced pours, go to different tastings um, and just find out what you actually like to drink. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. It's so there's so much stuff on the shelf that you you got to try some things um, and try to do it blind. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is even if, even if you go into it with an open mind, if you know you're drinking something that's very hard to get, your brain automatically flips the switch and starts telling you that you're going to like this before you even taste it. So yeah. you have to go into most it times, blind. Yeah. Yeah. That, that does happen a lot. I've, I've gotten a lot better at that. And they'll, uh, a couple times ago when I was at Sam's, he's got Old Forester birthday bourbon on the shelf. And I'm like, I've never tried it. I'll take a pour. And I wasn't impressed. <laughs> um, and I don't know why, but it just, it. I'm like, why does it go for that as much as it does? Why is that so sought after when I thought it was just kind of meh? Well, I've actually I've heard that from a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know what, it's because they came out with barrel proof single barrels and those are much better than birthday bourbon. 
and they're a third of the age. They're only four years where bourbon bourbon is typically, or birthday bourbon is typically 10 to 12 years. Um, and honestly, they're much better. I did a blind tasting about a year ago. We had four Old Forester barrel proof single barrels and a birthday bourbon. And it was pretty obvious uh, what was what after a little while, but the birthday bourbon had the best nose and it was by far the best nose. And then palate, it was by far the worst. Just fell mm. so flat compared to the single barrels. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think people are going to start to realize a lot of this stuff isn't worth the hype or the secondary price. Um, so as we start to see more quantities released from these bigger distilleries, that secondary market will go down. Um, but bourbon is here to stay. Bourbon's going to keep booming. And uh, I think it's a it's a fun and interesting time to be a American whiskey drinker. It's always yeah, fun to so, be a, a drinker, but yeah. <laughs> Any Very more advice to give to American taters whiskey. or friends of taters? <laughs> oh, yeah. I I wish like I honestly wish I would have known a lot of this when I first started because we've all said it. We all started there. Yeah, um, and. Maybe it's one of those things where you got to make your own mistakes. Like everyone else can tell you to their blue in their face, but until you make your own mistakes, you don't realize it. Um, but yeah, am I saying if you get a chance to get some of these by like a Blanton's or a Taylor or an Eagle Rare or a Weller's, if you can get those at at retail, then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a good whiskey, but don't spend hours upon hours upon hours and then my pet peeve is like the the whiskey clubs I'm in on social media where like the person's like spent five hours a day and came away with this. And it's a picture of a <laughs> special reserve. Yeah. I'm like, come on. You have to have more th important things to do in your life. Score. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many, so many of those pages are just people flexing that they like spent a ridiculous amount of time trying to find some bottle. It's like, okay, yeah. you know, like, Good job. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't know what, what else you want besides a thumbs up from me, you know. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't address those. No, well that's exactly yeah. what they want. They want a thumbs up. They want a like. Yeah. That's it. Speaking of, make sure if you're listening to this or watching this, like, comment, subscribe down below. Uh, wow, thank you. nice, nice. <laughs> there you go, Dan. That a boy. I think mm -hmm. my my rant for the night is probably gonna be real short, but um stop paying secondary prices for things. Um, the only reason that the secondary market exists is because people were willing to pay those prices. Stop paying for it. Put in the good work of buying like normal shit from <laughs> like small liquor stores and you will be rewarded at some point for retail. <laughs> you know, just like don't pay a thousand dollars for Pappy. Don't pay $2,000 for Pappy 12. It's not worth it. No matter what some tater tells you, <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we covered a lot tonight. Um, a lot of good points. Um, but I guess my final thought would just be going back to the whole single barrel thing. Um, because those barrels are pre-selected and, uh, 
shout out to gold eagle of course um because we 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 do turn down uh i think last year we turned down 450 single barrel samples so we're we're very picky if we're gonna put our name on a bottle it's gonna be something that we really really like um and most of the time it's not just us we try to invite different customers and or whoever's just at the bar at the time to taste these samples with us um and uh, we really look for like a unanimous decision when picking single barrels so yeah you know try to explore uh develop your palate trying different things finding out what you really like um single barrels is a great place to start um but yeah don't get don't get caught up in the hype and make sure you taste things blind to really let your uh let your mind and your senses give you an honest feedback or review on what you're tasting and not just the hype or the marketing. Definitely. Jake, Jake, I'm sorry you cut out there. Did you say we're going to be doing a bourbon Merrill's uh, bourbon matters, gold Eagle, 1776 bourbon barrel pick? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is okay, exactly perfect. what I said. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh-huh. You cut out a little bit. I wasn't sure. Just yeah. I know, I know it, was, it was probably a little choppy, but yeah, I actually had the samples. <laughs> yeah, no, no, just, they just got shipped it. to me last week. So <laughs> thank um, you. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But All speaking right. of Bourbon Matters barrel picks, really quick, uh, we sold out of the Knot Creek barrel pick today. Nice. Um, that we did. So sorry to all all of you who uh, missed out on it. Um, so I guess that yeah. means we got to we got to do another barrel pick on one of these episodes. Yeah. Yeah, that I'd was be, fun. I'd be down for that. That was yeah, uh, for sure. Um, one of the most difficult, like trying to pick one of those like you said like the screening process for those is pretty rigorous mm-hmm. so trying to pick between like three elite whiskeys is actually right. pretty tough yeah i mean they're all they were all really really good which is what happens a lot of times with these barrel picks like they're pre-screened yeah. barrels um it's not just we're not just going into the rookhouse drilling blind like their master distiller or their barrel program manager is just tasting barrels all day and finding the best ones to set aside for barrel picks yeah so yeah we uh i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna keep my eye out for uh more samples of something different we can do on a upcoming episode sweet Mm -hmm. perfect yeah all right all right Uh, we didn't plug gold eagle enough already jake (laughs) easy dan (laughs) easy (laughs) easy we got to we got a big scotch tasting coming up soon we that do. i will be at yeah mm-hmm. um the master distiller from whiskey acres will be at uh we're coming up only because um you got the uh, weller 12 in the back for us but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> only because no, it's I'm, gold eagle that's why you're coming up yeah no no we're i'm excited to come up i've been up in a while so it'd be nice to finally make it yeah I had a tasting on a wednesday night where i could make it um so that'll be perfect is there, so there tickets just... to that to that tasting left there are, yeah, uh-huh. um, yeah, we are starting to fill up um, only because so single malt tastings don't get as much hype or excitement, um, but I think this is gonna be one of the best ones that we've ever done. Uh, it's it's newer distilleries, newer blending brands, um, and their founder and master blender is gonna be here. so there's gonna be a ton of knowledge being shared. 
Um, it's just going to be a cool night, just kind of hanging out and trying some new Scotch whiskeys. And no, not everything is peated, but yes, there will be some peaty stuff in there for those of you who don't like peat. So yeah, you know where to you know where to find us. Uh, Facebook Gold Eagle Spirits, Instagram uh, Gold Eagle Wine, uh, GoldEagleWine.com. Uh, might as well get those out of the way before Dan turns <laughs> off my mic. No, no, I love, like, I've been, I, I, you're, I'm on your app quite a bit. I, almost every day at work, I browse through the app real quick. Cool. So, um, no, I'm excited to come up. It's been a while since yeah, I've, no, it's, it's going to be good I'm to see really you. I'm excited to get back. Should up. be some good events. Um, so, yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be uh, scotch, which isn't my favorite, but, uh, you know what? It's a Wednesday and I have the time to come up and see everybody and get back to Gold Eagle and probably give you some of my money. So that's fine. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Both of the Bourbon Matters people will be there. So, uh, Dan, the fun one from Whiskey Acres will be there. So <laughs> you can just walk right by me and go see him. <laughs> we'll see if he gets recognized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is the ugly guy from the podcast? <laughs> Damn right, is going to be there, folks. <laughs> you better get the spiky hair going on one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it'll be after work, so I'll have the hair going. I'll hopefully have a haircut by then. This is a little. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. On that note, friends don't let friends be taters. Uh. You can find us at Bourbon Matters on Instagram and search for us on Facebook at Bourbon Matters. You can watch us on YouTube and Spotify, um, and you can listen to us pretty much wherever you can listen to podcasts. Awesome. Well, cheers, and like Jake said, don't be a tater. Cheers. Cheers.